0: So I want to ask a question. I know that we've got uh, kids here in the audience throughout the message and grown-ups too, so it's a question for everybody. Kids and grown-ups, why, Lucy, does the resurrection matter? Why does the resurrection even matter? Think about that. We're going to come back to it. But for a while I want to talk about food. No, I just want to start talking about food. Uh, I, I, Cory and I love to travel whenever we can, usually near, sometimes far. And whenever we're on the road, I love to try different kinds of food. Especially if I'm in another country, I want to try that country's food. But another kind of nerdy thing I like to do is I like to visit churches. I know that sounds weird, but, you know, when you work at a church all the time, you don't get to visit other churches very often. So whenever I get to visit another church, you know, I love to just talk with the people. I love to see what that church is like. And I love church buildings. I love the smell of church buildings. I love different kinds of architecture on church buildings. I like cathedrals and I like, like that little white church on Lummi Island when we go visit over there. Like tons of pictures of that one. I, I just like churches. And one of the things that, before we had kids, we were traveling in Europe and going to all these amazing cathedrals. But something about going in cathedral after cathedral made me a little bit sad inside because I felt like here are these amazing monuments to something that used to be really vibrant but they felt a lot like museums to me and I remember having this feeling going through Notre Dame and Paris where you know we're, we're going through this amazing architecture made to you know the, the gothic made to point to heaven all God's glory and yet you know I'm there I am going through the stations of the cross kind of meditating and thinking about Jesus and here's a tour group coming on coming right behind me like this and it just was so shocking How something can turn into a museum so quickly. I thought about that experience several times since. Obviously I'm telling you about it now. But I was thinking about how quickly our lives can turn from vibrant, exciting, fulfilling things into fits and starts, of barely making it, of of thinking only of the past. We have... Photo albums and hard drives full of of memories, like like museums. And, and then sometimes we, we're obsessed with what's going to happen, like that vacation we're going to go on. So we're stuck in the past, we're stuck in the future, and even in the present when we're experiencing something, we're trying to snap pictures of it so that we can have it forever. One of the things that happened to me, though, in Notre Dame as I'm going through this place is I began to hear faint sounds of voices not not like i'm going crazy voices but beautiful music and i started to follow the voices and i went round at corner after corner and i went to the front where there was a boys choir practicing in their street clothes in their jeans and that that music just it was like it was like it encompassed and filled this building with life what well, was a shell a monument a museum became alive again and, and i think Me personally, and maybe you're like this, sometimes we just need something from the outside, some kind of beautiful, life-giving music to come and animate us. You know, sometimes Easter Sunday, to some people, is a museum holiday. It's a fun day, maybe even a sacred day, but it's like Memorial Day for Jesus. It's just a remembrance of something that happened a long time ago. In this view, Jesus rose from the dead, but it doesn't really affect me now. For some people, Easter being a museum holiday, just being a memory, it might even affect you in the future. You might think, oh, Jesus rose, so then I'm going to rise someday, but it has nothing to say to my life now. Who cares? On the other extreme, people have treated Easter and the resurrection like a spiritual experience. Jesus probably didn't rise from the dead at all, but his teachings go on and on and on, and he lives eternally in his spirit, which makes us better people. Now, I think there's real problems with both of those views. In the museum view, Easter's about remembering something that happened a long time ago, but it has nothing for you or for me today. In the spiritualized view, you don't even really need Easter to have happened. Because it's all about just following Jesus' teachings. Well, good luck with that, because nobody really does that very well, if you've noticed. Plus, Jesus' teachings, if you really follow them, they all talk about a couple things. Like, hey, I'm going to die and rise from the dead. What do you do with that teaching? He actually taught that he would be physically resurrected. So it begs the question then, what is the biblical view? And it's to that, of course, that we're going to turn. And I'm going to ask you to stand with me as I read the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. This is one of four accounts of the resurrection. Now after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance, it was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. The guards, Roman guards, shook with fear. They became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as He said. Come and see the place where He was lying. Go quickly and tell His disciples that He's risen from the dead. And behold, He's going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see Him. Behold I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to His disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them, and they came up and took hold of his feet, and they worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go, take word to my brothers and leave uh, to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. Now, while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they assembled with the elders and consulted together... They gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by and stole him away while they were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we'll win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and they did just as they had been instructed. The story is widely spread among the Jews even to this day. But the eleven, the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain, which Jesus had designated. And when they saw Him, they worshipped Him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. As you go therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even till the end of the age. Pray with me. Risen Lord, thank you for this story, one of four accounts of your resurrection from the gospel writers. Lord, I confess this is just one of those stories that we do every year. And it is amazing. Lord, make it amazing again for our hearts. I pray by the power of your Spirit that you would impress upon us this good news. That you would fill us with your resurrection life. Amen. You may be seated. Now before I read that passage in Matthew's Gospel, I asked you why the resurrection matters. Why it matters at all. Now I kind of want to rephrase that. Does the resurrection of Jesus, think about this, does the resurrection of Jesus make any difference in your life right now? Does it make any difference in your life? Does it make any difference in your work or in your search for work if you don't have any? Does the resurrection make any difference in your family, how you live your life, how you interact with people? Does the resurrection of Jesus have anything, anything to say about sickness and death or grief or injustice? In other words, why is the resurrection Sunday or Easter Sunday, why is that such a big deal? Based on Matthew's text and the other accounts of the gospel, uh, of the resurrection as well, we read and we know that Easter is more than just a spiritual holiday. It is physical and it is historical. Matthew's Gospel has been telling us all along that Jesus actually became flesh and actually dwelt among us. Before Jesus was born, this angel came to Joseph who was betrothed Mary and he said, you're going to have a son and you're going to name him Jesus and he is going to be known as Emmanuel. Emmanuel, the with us God. And Jesus grew up, and he did the things that no one expected prophets to do, or messiahs even to do. He did things that only God does in the Bible, like control the weather on a stormy sea like raise people from the dead, like forgive sin and heal the sick. Jesus taught the words of God. So He did the deeds of God, He taught the words of God. Well, everyone else, the religious teachers, were teaching about the Word of God. Jesus was teaching as one having authority. He was different than the other teachers. Jesus died as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And He died for my sin, and He died for yours, and He died for the sin of the world. The Scriptures tell us clearly that Jesus died, and He was put in a grave. Professional Roman executioners, dudes that know how to kill dudes, killed Jesus, ensured His death, they posted guards around His tomb, keep his followers away from making up any funny stories. But in all four gospel accounts, something strange happens when the women went to the tomb. Earthquakes and angels, empty tomb, Jesus alive. And this is where the resurrection really takes hold because in Jewish and Greek thought, resurrection could never mean like someone is just alive in the spirit after they died. Resurrection, that word actually means that someone really died and that someone who was really actually dead really actually came back to life again in a way that they were not alive before. So it's not like resuscitation. You know, where Lazarus, he dies, he's even in the tomb four days and Jesus calls him back out. Guess what? Lazarus is dead now because he was just resuscitated. Or Jairus and his daughter who died, Jesus brings her back to life. That's a resuscitation. She's she's gone now because she was resuscitated, not resurrected. But Jesus is in a resurrected body that doesn't decay, doesn't break down. That's something completely different. It's not some secret spiritual insider thing. Jesus rose from the dead in a real and glorified body. He was more fully alive than he had ever been before. Kids, check this out. Have you ever thought about this, kids? That Jesus, when he was resurrected, he could touch and be touched, and he could eat food. That's a good thing, because if we're resurrected someday, we get to eat good food. But he could also do superhero stuff, like pass through walls that were locked. Like he can walk through walls. And sometimes Jesus could like teleport. He'd be in Galilee at one minute, and then he'd be, boom, I'm in Jerusalem, or bam, I'm over here amazing stuff resurrected bodies have like superpowers so on Easter Sunday we remember that Jesus physically historically really rose from the dead and yet there's more to Easter than just remembering right? That's, that was that museum view where we just remember something cool that happened a long time ago the resurrection of Jesus is more than just like God saying check this out this is going to blow their minds right? it's more than just a, a, a one time trick Theologians often say that that the resurrected Jesus is the prototype of what He will make us. So Jesus rising from the dead is prototypical. That means it's before what will become typical. You're following me now. So someday it will be typical for you and me to be in resurrected bodies through faith in Jesus. Amen? That's awesome. That's a typical existence I'm really looking forward to. Because this typical existence isn't good. Okay. So Easter is more than just remembering some event from the past. And Easter is more than just a spiritual experience. Because Jesus is actually alive physically. So what does all that matter? I think one of the answers to that question of why that matters or how we know that matters... It's because of what we've come to call the Great Commission. I know that's weird. That's usually not an Easter sermon, I don't think. But it's the Great Commission. First, in the Great Commission, you know, that's all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That that part of the scripture. Notice what Jesus does not say. Hey, I'm risen from the dead. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So go and make up a religion. That's not what it says. He does not tell his, His disciples... Go, live in the desert and isolate yourselves from the word and stare at your bellies all day. He does not say, go away into a corner and wait for heaven to come. Don't interact with anyone else. What does he say? Jesus begins with a statement of assurance. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, if you're just visiting with us, awesome, I'm glad. We've been actually working in Matthew's gospel for the last couple years on and off. And uh, there's this story in the fourth chapter. So we're in the 28th chapter. We're way back in the fourth chapter. Jesus got baptized, just like what happened here in the Jordan River. Probably a cooler experience. And then he goes out into the wilderness, into the desert. He's fasting for 40 days. He's out there by himself. And Satan comes to him and tries to tempt Jesus. And one of the things he tempts him with is he takes him up to a high place. And he says, Jesus, I want you to look as far as you can see. All the kingdoms that you can see with your eyes, I'll give them to you. If you just bow to me. If you just bend the knee to me. Of course, Jesus resists this temptation. And what's amazing is, and and awesome, I think, is that he resists this temptation. This little sliver of kingdom that that Satan may or may not have been able to give him. And going through suffering, he actually receives from the Father all authority in heaven and on earth. Every kingdom and realm is now under Jesus. He was offered the easy way out and Jesus refused. Well, it seemed after that story, he refuses Satan Satan goes away. It seems that Jesus kind of might have made a mistake that uh, Satan may have gotten the upper hand. I mean, after all, he did die on a cross. Right? He was falsely accused, went to the cross, and died. No kingdom, no legacy. But appearances, obviously, are deceiving. Because Jesus broke out of death itself. He defeated Satan's most powerful tool, which is to take us in death. Death. In the book of Daniel, that's one of the prophets from the Old Testament, there's, there's this prophecy about somebody called the Son of Man who would be sent from God to His people. And then this, this Son of Man would suffer. But then He would be vindicated by God. And check out what it says. On Him was conferred rule and honor and kingship and all peoples and nations and languages became His servants. His rule is an everlasting rule which never passes away and His kingship will never come to an end. Jesus, the Bible has been saying over and over again, is this Son of Man. He is the one who's received this authority from God. Okay, now I just said the A word, authority. I know kids in here. There's a, authority can be kind of a negative word to us. Um, We're suspicious of authority. We tend to think uh, people abuse authority and, frankly, who hasn't experienced the abuse of authority in their life? So is it really good news that Jesus has all authority? I mean, after all, we're democratic. We really don't like anyone having all the power, right? Well, let's check out what kind of person this this Jesus is who has all authority. First of all, he was already perfectly fine being one of the Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Like, he was doing probably okay when he decided for your sake and mine to become a baby in the first century in Roman-occupied Palestine. He became flesh. He became vulnerable and dwelt among us. This Jesus who has all authority washed people's feet, fed the poor. He taught the blue-collar and the white collar and he healed the sick and he confronted the abusive and he took time to build relationships with social outcasts and he built relationships with the upper crust and he died for people like you and me who deserve death and then he defeated death and rose again he is the only one I trust to have all authority alright if there's anyone that I trust to have all authority it's Jesus Jesus says, I am over all rulers. I am over all powers. I am over everything that causes you anxiety. I am bigger than your fears. I am bigger than your mortality. Amen? And incidentally, that's why the Apostle Paul, who wrote so many letters, he talks about being in Christ as being such a big deal, as being the center of the gospel. When we place our trust in Jesus, the risen and reigning one, we are in Him. We are in His family, in His care, in His victory, in His security. So if Jesus is above all things, then in Him we are above all things. If He is more powerful than evil powers, then we are above those evil powers in Christ. That's awesome news. But let's face it. Okay, so Jesus has been given all authority... In heaven and earth. My world, I don't know about you guys, but my world doesn't really look like Jesus has all authority. Like, there's a lot of stuff going down um, that I wish was not going down. Oh, here's the amazing thing about this message. Because Jesus promises one day to reappear. To bring His kingdom in full. Where there will be no more tears. And no more pain. And no more death. And no more sin. And we'll be giving new bodies. The prototype that is prototypical in Jesus will be typical in you and typical in me. But in the meantime. God's plan is that He chooses to advance His kingdom. Check this out. Through you. Through you Benjamin. From Stephen and Lucy, yeah, he's going he's gonna to advance his kingdom through you. And everyone who puts their faith in him. This actually makes perfect sense when you consider Genesis 1 and 2 that tell us that we were made in God's image. What the resurrected Jesus does is come and He he begins to heal us and to remake us in that image to give us new life. And because this is so, because Jesus is risen and all authority has been given to Him, we get to live differently. And that's why Easter matters. Jesus literally says, as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you." Jesus has authority and He sends us. And this sending has basically two sharp ends, two facets. First, there's the sense that we're to go. We are to go about spreading the good news of Jesus in word and deed to the nations. The nations are literally anyone who doesn't know Jesus. So it could be your neighbor or it could be someone in Guatemala like what Wayne is doing. It could be someone in Turkey right now where Bethany is or Egypt where she's going. It could be in the Congo area uh, where the Danforths are living and um, all over the world. That was the original plan. From Genesis 12, God takes Abraham and his family and says, I'm going to bless you, Abraham, so that you and your descendants would be a blessing to all the nations. The second facet of this command can be translated as you are going. It's a command for everyday life. This is why the resurrection matters. As you are doing life, as you are going to work as you're playing with your grandkids or building starships out of Legos or going to school or as you play soccer or spend time with a friend or feeding the poor or visiting the sick or riding a bus or running a business or painting a picture or writing a song as you go and do your life, make disciples. As you go, as you are doing the things That you do make disciples. In our vernacular, what does make disciples mean? It's make students of Jesus. Apprentice people in Jesus. Invite people to experience the good news. Love them. Reflect Jesus to them. Extend grace and truth. Proclaim the good news. Serve. Live in such a way that people will want to become an apprentice of the one that you are an apprentice of. The good news of the resurrection is that life actually matters. It's not just waiting for something to happen. We are the sent ones of the risen and reigning Jesus. We are sent in His authority. So when you treat people with love and respect as you are going, you treat Jesus with love and respect as you are going. Amen? That's good news. It's not like you have to go get a special degree for that. When you clock in at your mundane job, but you do it with integrity, it has lasting consequences. Don't ask me how in the kingdom of God. That's part of the good news of the resurrection. Kids, when you love and respect your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad or your friend, you do that for Jesus. Yes. And this resurrection life that we get to live, it's like... It's like the beginnings of that beautiful music that fills the empty shell of an old church building into something with vibrant life. These disciples, they become apprentices of Jesus by spending time with you. And we're to baptize them, just like Stephen and Liam were baptized today, robed in white as they identify with Jesus' forgiveness, as they identify with His purity, baptized in water that washes away sin, going under the waters to symbolize a vicarious death with Jesus, breaking forth from those waters, rising again with the risen Lord, filled with His power, filled with His Spirit. I love Easter. Jesus has authority, and He chooses to give people the high honor and dignity of joining Him in His work. You ever thought about that? Like, this is an invitation to get to do stuff with God. That's awesome! He does not tell us to just teach our best ideas. He tells us to teach the Word. In all of this, Jesus is truly Emmanuel, God with us. He calls us to participate in the most important work in the world. And even when we're hard-pressed and when we're sick, when we're struggling, when we feel isolated, when we fail, He is with us always, even to the end of the age. So does Easter matter. Does the resurrection have anything of value to say about my life right now? You can tell where I'm standing that the physical resurrection of Jesus is the only thing that gives life lasting meaning and purpose and hope for our lives. He's the world's rightful king. He's inviting you to follow right where you're at. Not, not after you get your act straight. And He empowers. He empowers and equips those He calls. You don't have to have all the skill set. You don't have to have advanced degrees. You don't have to have all this experience. Jesus calls and equips. Would you pray with me? Hmm. Jesus, thank you for breaking into our world. when we were careening towards death, probably oblivious to the fact that that's where we're headed, left to our own devices, that's where we are going. But thank You that You broke the the stranglehold of death, that You invite us to trust You, that You invite us to have new life in You. Thank You, Lord, that when we place our trust in You, the risen One, You send us Your Spirit. You give meaning. You give color. You give music to our lives, Lord. You give us hope beyond hope. Thank you for that high and valuable calling, Lord Jesus. Help us to trust you. Amen.